Today is Sunday, March 29th, 2020. On this day in 2010, two suicide bombers attacked two different metro stations in Moscow during rush hour, killing 40 people. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Today we're covering the 2010 Moscow metro bombings. During peak travel time, two terrorists detonated explosive devices. Let's go back to the early morning of March 29th, 2010. It was another crowded rush hour in the heart of Moscow. Countless people were pushing past one another to catch their train. They were just part of the mass of over 7 million who used the city's metro each day, making it one of the busiest in the world. Around 7.30 a.m., a red subway train pulled into Yugo Zapadna station along the Sokolnicheskaya line, ready to carry passengers into the heart of Moscow. Scores of people piled into the train cars on their daily commute. It was always crowded, but there were plenty of places to hold on to. At least it was warm, a respite from the biting cold outside. Square-jawed Russian men clad in leather jackets checked their phones. Mothers held the hands of their children, making sure they didn't slip away. At each stop, more people filtered into the train cars, all trying to make it through the day. It was only a short ride into the heart of town, and 20 minutes later, they were only one stop away from the Kremlin. As they neared the center of town, even more people flooded in and out of each car. At 7.55, the conductor of the sleek train eased down on the brake as it entered into Lubyanka station. It was crowded. The station sat right under FSB, the former KGB headquarters, and it was the transfer spot for another line. As the train slowed to a stop, people inside the train positioned themselves to get out quickly. They knew there was a crush of new passengers waiting on the other side of the doors. Everything was in its normal rhythm of chaos. People were grabbing their bags, prepared to leave. But one passenger had other plans. She had dark hair and was standing in the middle of the second car near the exit doors. As the train inched to a stop, she waited patiently, phone in hand. The train came to a full stop and the doors slid open. As people began to exit the car, the dark-haired woman erupted in a violent explosion. Followed by hundreds of screams, the large underground platform was shrouded in smoke. Panicked survivors fled, pushing past anyone who got in their way. Passengers did all they could to make it to the surface, but it seemed hundreds of miles away. People were crying and shaking as they emerged into the gray morning. Sirens could be heard in the distance. A few stops down the line, another train came to a stop in between two stations. Passengers were told by the conductor that they were having technical difficulties. They didn't inform the passengers of the explosion a few stops farther up the line. 
Passengers were further annoyed 40 minutes later when the train began to slowly move forward and they were told they had to get off at Park Kulturi Station up ahead. As the train slowed to a stop, the passengers saw the station packed with people who couldn't get to work on time because of the delay. When the doors opened at the platform, another explosion went off, killing 12 people instantly. Others were left injured on the ground, covered in blood, waiting for medical assistance. It was quickly apparent that this was an attack and had been meticulously planned. Russian authorities were at the site of both explosions within minutes of each detonation. They had to figure out who was attacking and make sure another strike wasn't imminent. Up next, Russian investigators discover the origin of the bombers. Now back to the story. The horrifying news of a dual terrorist attack in Moscow had reached the rest of the world by the afternoon of March 29, 2010. There had been two bombings in Moscow's metro. No one could be sure of the death toll, but it seemed that well over a hundred had been injured in the blasts. Prime Minister Vladimir Putin said, I'm confident that law enforcement bodies will spare no effort to track down and punish the criminals. Terrorists will be destroyed. When investigators got to the scene of the first explosion at Lubyanka Station, they were shocked by the carnage. Amid the blood, there were fragments of nuts and bolts everywhere. The terrorist must have packed the explosive full of metal to ensure the damage was as severe as possible. Those that could be saved had been transported to local hospitals, but the dead were left at the scene, their bodies splayed on the ground. They couldn't be rescued. They wouldn't be going home to their families, but they could help the investigators uncover the perpetrator. Using the blast pattern at Lubyanka Station, the authorities were quickly able to find the terrorist's body. Her midsection had been eviscerated, but her face was still intact. Investigators used closed-circuit television footage to find out where this woman had boarded the train. She had come from Yugo Zapadna Station. There, she was seen with another woman who boarded a second train, the second bomber. In the earlier footage, both terrorists had been spotted with three others who appeared to accompany them to the station. Authorities believed this is where the women were given the explosives. Belts strapped around their waists with over three pounds of combustible material in them. Though the bombers remained unidentified, Russian authorities quickly tied the act of terror to a group of radical Islamic militants from the North Caucasus area of Russia, over 1,000 miles south of Moscow. The group was centered in the region of Chechnya and had been waging a prolonged conflict with the Russian government for the past 20 years. They had attempted to claim independence in 1991 after the fall of the USSR, but it's since been brought under the jurisdiction of Russia. The Chechen rebels had been fighting a guerrilla war ever since. Two days after the attack, Doku Umarov, the leader of a Chechen terrorist organization called the Caucasus Emirate, 
claimed responsibility for the attacks. He said the attacks would continue in response to what he claimed was Russian aggression. Umarov was well known to the Russian government and had spent years on the list of their top targets. However, he was well protected and hard to find. Similarly, information regarding the two bombers was hard to find, and the Russian government released photos of their faces after the blast. On April 2, 2010, the second bomber was identified as Janet Abdullayeva. She was a 17-year-old widow of a prominent Chechen Islamic leader. The first bomber was identified five days later. Mariam Sharapova, a 28-year-old teacher from the neighboring federation of Dagestan. She had never shown any signs of radicalization, but the Russian government claimed to have found a digital footprint that linked her to the terrorist organization. On May 13, 2010, the Russian government said that they had found the three people they believed were the accomplices, However, they put up resistance and got into a firefight. All three were killed, meaning no further information could be uncovered. A year later, Doku Umarov took responsibility for another bombing, this time at the International Airport in Moscow. In that bombing, at least 35 people were killed and over 150 were injured. On March 18, 2014, the Caucasus Emirate announced Umarov had been killed. It was later disclosed that he had been poisoned in 2013, and the assassination had been orchestrated by the Russian government. It had been over three years, but Vladimir Putin had followed through on his promise. The victims of the Moscow metro attacks had received Justice. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more stories of the terrorist conflict between Russia and Chechnya, check out the episodes of the ParCast original, Hostage, covering the Moscow theater hostage crisis of 2002. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram, at ParCast, and Twitter, at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, Freddie Beckley, and Joel Stein. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Robert Tyler Walker, with writing assistance by Maggie Admire. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 